No Exit with Nicholas Corys contains explicit language and content. Listener discretion is advised. Listen only to the sound of my voice. Breathe in. Breathe out. Let your breath be as long and as full as the crashing ocean waves and as strong as an old oak tree, growing its outer bark for thousands and thousands of years. Good. Keep breathing. Let your inhale be the tide rushing back to the mother ocean. Let your exhale be the crashing waves. Let your frustrations and worries be those crashing waves as you breathe out. Good. Now, let the call from the Earth's horizon reach inside you and give you its wisdom. Let it speak to you. What is it telling you? Feel the vibrations of the sky and the stars beyond. Feel their sacred message. Absorb their light into your consciousness. Breathe in. Breathe out. Good. You're doing good. Snapping back to reality in cruel, sudden halt, a blood-curdling scream cut through the air of the meditation classroom and shook the core of everyone's nerves. In the back of the room, an older-looking man in newly purchased yoga gear had his eyes forcefully shut and was screaming with all the breath in his lungs. He was a newcomer that Julian had never seen before, and right now he was sweating, red in the face, and frightened. Though he was just as confused and as frightened as the rest of the class, they still all looked at Julian for what to do. Flustered, he shot up from his lotus position and quickly went over to the man. He was an older guy with salt and pepper hair and just a little bit of a gut sticking out from above his yoga pants. Unsure what to do, he tapped him gently on the shoulder over and over. Sir? Sir? Are you okay? We need to know what's wrong. Can you open your eyes? Sir? Sir? The man peeled his eyes open. They were wide and bloodshot. The man's scream died down with a slow fade and a sense of calm came over the room. Julian continued to ask if the man was alright. He held up a hand, wiped his forehead, and said he was fine in a jolted, shaking voice, but nonetheless, fine. He wiped the sweat off his forehead and said he just needed a moment. Julian helped him up and told him to take all the time he needed. Julian surveyed the room and noticed the people had formed a circle around the man to see what was wrong they were backed away at a safe distance, as if the man were about to explode. When the man's breath caught up with him, Julian tried to ask him more questions. Are you okay? Can I, can I help in any way? No, no, I'm, I'm fine now, said the man. The color from his face had gone from a bright red to a now very pale, and the sweat was starting to collect around his neck and armpits. I, I need to go outside is all, just, uh, just to think for a minute. I, I, I'm sorry, I, I saw something is all. Uh, I'll be all right. Everyone watched as the man went to the door and left the class on its own again. Julian sat back in his spot, wanting to get everything back on track. 
He tried to smooth the mood in the room, but everything still felt tense and afraid, as some people were still noticeably uncomfortable. After some minutes of deep breathing and calm visualizations, everything had felt like it had settled for the most part, but there was still a feeling of the aftershock in the air. In between breaths, Julian watched for the man outside. He sat by himself on a bench by the door and looked to be trying to keep to himself from shaking. After a little while, Julian saw him disappear and watched him as he drove off in his car. Later, Julian was thinking about what had happened on the way home. Saw something, the man said, that stood out in Julian's mind and he just couldn't stop thinking about it. Saw something. What did he mean by that? A few days later, Julian and another coach named Morgan were closing up the studio for the day. Morgan was sweeping while Julian arranged the next day's classes on a spreadsheet on the computer. So, she said, I heard something happened a few days ago during one of your morning classes. Oh yeah, said Julian. When that lady farted during a chakra cleansing, it was great, it got so quiet. No, no, not that, she said, shaking her head. I mean, the guy, the one who was screaming. Oh, that, Julian said. Yeah, that was really weird. I don't think I've ever had anything happen like that before. It was kind of disturbing, to be honest. I can't quite put my finger on it. Well, like, what happened, she asked. Well, I was doing my regular, you know, breathe in, breathe out thing, when about five minutes in, he just started screaming, and like, really violently, too. Like, with every muscle in his body, really scared everyone. Then he went outside for a little bit and eventually just drove off. I haven't seen him since. I don't know what happened. Have you ever experienced anything like that in a class, or...? She stopped sweeping and thought about it. No, I can't say that I have. I mean, every once in a while I'll be doing some kind of deepness meditation and it'll get really quiet and someone will yelp in surprise like they're falling. Usually those people will snap to it right after and feel pretty embarrassed about it afterwards. That's the worst it's ever gotten for me, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah, said Julian. I get those once in a while, too. Do you ever get the people who are scared and they purposely aren't doing it right so they keep their eyes open the whole time? Oh yeah, all the time, she said. I feel like those are the people whose friends drag them here. So did this guy have friends or did he come by himself? Pretty sure he was by himself, said Julian. I barely spoke to him before in class. I think he just said, hi, I'm so-and-so, and I said welcome and all that. I don't know who signed him up. Maybe it was Vernon because I sure don't remember talking to him any time before that. Probably, Morgan said, collecting the stray filth in a dustpan. I don't think I talked to him. Last new people I got was those two women from the valley. Remember the ones I told you who had the diamond Kabbalah necklaces? I think they're sisters. And that was over a month ago. Julian stared at the screen for a moment while he listened to the sound of her sweeping and the rain hitting the windows. His mind began to wander. I don't know. It sure was strange, though. Uh, let me ask you a question, he said. In all your years of meditating, have you ever felt anything that scared you or anything like that? She dumped the dust in the trash and really thought about this. You know what? I don't remember if I did, though I'm sure it could have happened at some point. I'd have to think about it. What about you? Julian swallowed. Well, I've never really told anyone, but there was this one time. Uh, oh my god, what the hell? Julian said outside. Did you see that there's someone standing by the door? Morgan looked at him, then looked out the window. Outside of the front door, 
An unshaven man in a gray hoodie, soaked to the bone, standing, lingering around like a wet cat. He was fidgety and had a thousand-yard stare in his eyes. Morgan gripped the broom with both hands. What the f- Is the door locked? She said. What is he? Julian stood up. Hold on. I know who this is. That- that's him. What? She said. Are you sure? What is he doing? Uh, I'll- I'll take care of it. Just stay back. If it looks weird, just call the cops or something. I- I don't know. Uh, okay. Are you sure? Yeah, I'll, I'll be just a minute. Hold on. Standing behind the main desk, she watched as the two men talked in the rain. The man in the gray hoodie seemed somewhat hysterical. He was flailing his arms around and kept pointing to his head, water splashing out of his sleeves every time he did. Julian held his hands out in a defensive way and eventually she saw him patting him on the shoulder. After a moment of this, Julian came back in, leaving the man outside. Hey, he said, water dripping from his face. Look, uh... I'm gonna take this guy for a cup of coffee or something. Do you mind finishing up in here? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I guess that's fine, she said. What about you? Are you gonna be okay doing that? I mean, is he okay? I, I think so, said Julian, looking at the man standing out in the cold rain, waiting for him. He just, he has a few questions. I, I'll text you later and let you know if everything's alright. I'll be back, I, I promise. On the way to the cafe down the street, Julian got to know the screaming man from his yoga class a little better. His name was Lyle. He was in his 60s, twice divorced, single, and had been trying to take a new, healthy, organic, fit and fabulous approach to life in his older age. Part of the reason was so he could meet women, he admitted, but the other reasons were just to extend what he felt was the little life he had left in him. He said this to Julian as they walked, with a sadness in his voice, as he kept on touching and rubbing his forehead and scalp, as if to ease a sitting migraine lingering in his skull. Julian couldn't help but feel bad for the man, and a sense of guilt dripped over him. Inside the cafe, Julian bought two paper cups full of steaming matcha tea from the counter and placed it on a little plastic table in front of the drenched, shivering Lyle. So, let's just get into it, okay? Just... Tell me what's going on. Start from the beginning. The man buried his face in his hands and sighed. I'm sorry, just give me a moment, Lyle said. It was back at the place, at the meditation place. All I did was, I sat down, I closed my eyes, and I was trying to relax and concentrate and all that shit. And then I started to hear this sound. God, it sliced through my brain like a hook. Even right now, it still feels like that hook is stuck into my brain. And that someone at the other end is just always pulling it. Just a little bit. At all times. All day. Every day. Every minute of every hour. Sometimes worse than other times. I can barely sleep. I've tried to quiet it, but I can't. I can't drink it away. Pills don't work, both under and over the counter. Nothing. I'm due for an MRI in two days, but... I don't know. I don't know if I can last that long. And more importantly, I don't know what's going to help at this point. I saw a shrink today and he sent me over to you. I don't know what the fuck good you're going to do though, kid. No offense. Alright, Julian said. Let me ask you something if it's okay. I remember back in class when it happened. You said you saw something. Can you tell me what that was? If you don't mind describing it, that is... Lyle leaned forward, and his eyes became wider as he spoke. 
It was like I saw every color in the rainbow at once. And because of it, I saw a lack of color. It was completely devoid of color and devoid of sense. No touch, no taste, nothing. And if anything, if it was like looking out into nothing weren't nothing, but an actual thing, a massive thing that scared the shit out of me. It was so powerful. It was so much nothing. Lyle glanced up, about to apologize for his description, or lack thereof maybe, and saw a strange look in Julian's eyes. Lyle looked over him and said, What's the matter? I, Julian said, struggling for words. I, I felt the same thing. Lyle leaned over, surprised. You have? Julian closed his eyes. He balled up his fist and let a big sigh out of his nose. After a moment to himself, he sat back up and spoke. Once, a couple of years ago, I was at home. I was by myself, I was still in college at the time, and my roommates were gone. Everyone from the house was gone. I was trying some sort of deep astral meditation. I had been trying it for weeks. I was trying to find that threshold they say you can achieve if you practice at it. You can hit it with the proper breathing and the right atmosphere. Anyway, I, I put on a record, one with a lot of bass and drumming. I tried to find something with the lowest possible frequency, and I came across this old 80s industrial album, something like that. That night, I took a large dose of caffeine and B vitamins and shrooms. I didn't know when it happened. It seemed like it took me all night. And then I hit something. I hit exactly what you said. And then it ended up becoming like an itch you could scratch in your mind's eye, if that makes any sense. And, uh, and what happened, asked Lyle, throwing his attention all upon Julian. Julian's head slowly tilted down, and his eyes went to the floor. There was a sickness in the pit of his stomach. He squished all of his nerves together and rose up to speak. Excuse me, uh, what I did, he said, making sure his breathing was steady, was I followed it. I sat down every day, like I do now, and I concentrated, and I focused on it until it became nothing. And instead of trying to run from it, I faced it. And eventually it worked itself through me. Really? asked Lyle. And that was it? But how? And what is it? And why does it happen, though? I don't know, said Julian, shaking his head. You let your mind wander. It can end up in some strange places. Sometimes you touch on certain things that maybe you shouldn't, and but you end up there anyway. I don't know. Lyle looked him over and thought about what he was telling him. Let's try this, said Julian. Go ahead and close your eyes. Lyle was hesitant at first, but then his eyes fluttered shut. Now, I can tell what you're doing right now. You're fighting it. You're pushing against it. I want you to just... Breathe normal. In and out. Good. Now, listen only to my voice. Picture yourself sitting just right where you are. Now, picture where you are right now as a massive light. And around that light, 
there's something stuck inside you. Inside the crown of your head. Try to feel yourself around it. Touch it, the soul of your being, and notice every time that you back away from it, it stings like a barbed fish hook in your gray matter. his own fingers and massaged his skull like he was doing some kind of check to see if they were still in the same reality. It... it worked, I think, said Lyle. The shaking from his voice was gone now, and he looked a little more at ease. He smiled, almost maniacally. I... I can't feel that. You... you were right. I... I, I feel... I feel a lot better. People around were beginning to take notice at Lyle's sudden shift in energy excitement. Lyle stood up, felt around for his wallet in his track pants, and threw a $20 bill down on the table. Look, I, I have to get out of here. Let me pay for this at least. Thanks, kid. I appreciate it. I'll get a hold of you if I need to. I, I gotta go home and start doing this more. Sorry to bounce so fast. Julia nodded with approval and said he understood. Lyle walked out of the cafe fast, almost bumping into a person on his way out. Julian watched him make his way up the street, and an uneasy feeling floated around inside of him as he did. Julian clenched every part of his bowels to make the feeling go away, but couldn't shake the overwhelming sense of dread and guilt that had come over him. Two months later, Julian and his students were in the middle of a class. Halfway through, the door opened. A woman, ignoring the meditation in progress sign on the front window, had come in. She wore regular street clothes and carried an umbrella in her hand. Her makeup was smeared a little and she looked a little worried. Something told him this wasn't a regular customer. He told the class to keep their breathing steady and he would return momentarily. He met the woman by the door and quietly ushered her into an adjacent room where they could talk. Hi, she said. I'm so sorry to interrupt you. My name is Sarah Paulson. I'm the ex-wife of students. Uh, his name was Lyle. Do you know him? Oh, said Julian. Well, he wasn't a student per se, but yes, I do remember. Is everything all right? Well, to put it bluntly, no, she said. He's refused to leave his house or speak to anyone. I'm afraid it's gotten really bad. He doesn't go to work anymore. He doesn't eat or sleep or shower. He just sits inside all day and says he's meditating. Julian felt disturbed and confused by this. I see, he said. I'm sorry to hear that. Is there anything I can do? Well, that's just it, she said. Like I said, he hasn't really been speaking to anyone. We've tried to get everyone, friends, family, everybody. It's the oddest thing because for the past few days, he's been asking for you. Specifically you. He won't say why or what for. You are the only person he's been asking about. He says he's... He's wanted me to tell you that he wants you to come over. He says he's found it, and I don't know what that means. Julian can feel the warmth drain from his face and a wave of nervousness wash throughout him. Give me 15 minutes. I'll need to close up early, he said. I can follow you in my car. 
With her hand on the front door, she looked back to Julian and said, I should warn you that the smell is quite bad. Julian nodded, but didn't take it seriously enough in the moment. When the air of the room hit him, he could have almost vomited. He held his hand in front of his face. Everything stank of feces, sweat, and a general overpowering stench of unwashed human flesh, which could have almost smelled like a sweet old rotting ham multiplied ten times over. Sarah made a face herself from the stench hit, but seemed somewhat more used to it. She led him through the hall into a front room. It was dark in here, and most of Lyle's belongings were either broken or ruined, littered all over the floor. I should also mention to you that he looks pretty bad right now. You might want to brace yourself, she added. Nothing could have braced him for what he saw in front of him. A full-grown man in a pile of his own filth, with skin hanging off the bone, sitting in a full lotus position. His eyelids were red and inflamed, and a slight bit of pus dripped from them. His hair was greasy and unkept, and he had a knotted, unkept beard hanging off his face. Flies were buzzing everywhere. As they entered the room, Lyle, the now disgusting man, sniffed the air and said, Who is it? Who's here? Sarah had to keep herself from gagging as she opened her mouth to speak. Lyle, she said, I've brought in Mr. Julian here. You said you wanted to see him. Well, he's here right now. A smile ripped through Lyle's mouth, revealing a set of brown and yellow teeth. Julian could smell his smile on top of everything else in the room. How could one man produce this much stench? Julian, Lyle said. I'm so glad you're here. I did just what you told me. I found it, Julian. You have to see. No, I didn't tell you to do this, Julian said, holding a gag in his throat. No, Julian. You were right. I've been following it, just like you told me. I followed and followed like a cat to string, and it showed me what I had been looking for. I can see it in the distance, Julian, on the horizon of all creation. It's a beautiful, maddening mess of darkness, dark power, stretching across what is time and what is not time, Julian. I'm going to go to it. I'm going to be with it. And I want it to show you. He said this with a smile still pasted on his rotten mouth, a gleeful smile like a man who had just won the lottery. Watch, he said. His mouth opened again, and a slathering of low, guttural chanting filled their ears from the stench of the air. It became louder and louder and felt like steel claws scraping on asphalt. Sarah shouted his name over and over, begging him to stop, but he went on, without even registering the question. Both her and Julian had their ears covered. She reached over to nudge him by the shoulder, daring to touch his filthy, fragile body. And as it turned out, his body wasn't so fragile after all. Before her hand could come in contact with his skin, he slapped it away with his own hand and grabbed her by the throat. Before Julian could even reach out and shout no, Lyle had snapped her windpipe with his hand and let her fall to the floor. Julian was beside himself with fear. He stepped away and was attempting to back his way out when he heard Lyle's voice speak, all but the reverberation from the chanting was still grinding through the air. Wait, Julian, don't leave. You have to see. I know. You want to see. Watch, said Lyle. Horrified, Julian fell on his knees and watched.
A detective brought a cup of coffee over for Julian and placed it in front of him, and one in front of himself. Julian's leg was shaking, and he couldn't stop it. He stared at the black liquid for a moment, then buried his face in his hands. He felt as if tears should be coming out of his eyes, but a numbness everywhere inside him stopped that from happening. All right, said the detective. Now, I know you've been through a lot tonight, Mr. Sandberg, and we don't want to keep you long, so if you can start wherever you feel is necessary, we can go from there. Slumped in his chair, Julian sat up felt a wave of cold go through him. He sighed. He turned inside out, said Julian. What do you mean, said the detective, taken back by the sudden statement. Did you see the crime scene? You had to have heard a description, at least. He didn't explode like some of the other people were saying. He literally fucking turned himself inside out. The detective was still confused. Before he had a chance to speak again, Julian interjected. There was a sound coming from his mouth, or at least I thought it was coming from his mouth, but then I realized that it wasn't him exhaling. He was taking air in. And how he got his lungs to do that for that long, I have no idea. So he's sitting there, and he's taking this breath in, and somehow his ex-wife's body starts pushing itself away from him. And the next thing I know is that it's scooting on the floor towards the wall. Then it slumps up against the way and the body starts finding its way up the wall. Fucked if I know how, I don't know. Don't ask. Then I see his whole mouth get wider. Wider, wider, wider. You could have put a whole fucking football in there. I think at some point I may or may not have heard the bones in his face crack, and I'm not sure, and at some other point, his wife's dead body is being pulled across the ceiling, and there's this big blood trail behind her. Her whole body gets closer to his mouth and gets sucked in like the hose of a vacuum, (laughs) just like that. I don't know how the fuck it happened. So then, I don't know how this happened either, but it started with his insides. They, they fell out of him. I don't know how to say it, but they fell in reverse. And, you know, it was everything. His bones, his skin, his, his rectum, his asshole. It just went up through him. Julian paused and sighed to himself. It's just, it went everywhere, inside out, like I told you. And the next thing you know, I'm looking at a big, fat fucking ball of human meat lying in a pile of... He stopped himself, thinking how badly he didn't want to say this next word so much. Lying in a pile of shit, he said. He rubbed his palms on his jeans and looked anxiously around the room. He wrapped his knuckles on the table as a nervous tick, and the detective jumped in his seat when he heard the noise. The detective himself looked as if he hadn't blinked the whole time since he started this story just as Julian hadn't blinked his eyes when he had watched the whole thing 
unfold in front of him. Julian picked up the coffee that was given to him and took a big sip out of it. It was hot and bitter. There would be no more questions from the detective, at least for right now. going to be okay? Morgan asked as he stared out the window. I... I think so, he said. I just... I don't know what to think about things anymore, you know? All you can do is the best you can. I just... I don't know what I'm saying. No, it's okay, she said. Do you want me to come inside with you for just a little bit, or... Julian rubbed his forehead and sighed. No, I... I, I think I'll be alright. I just... I need some time. Thank you, Morgan. No problem, she said. They shared a long hug together. Before he shut the door, she told him to call her. Julian made his way up the stairs to his apartment, step by step, head hanging down. He unlocked the door and went inside. He threw his keys on the office table and then started to take his clothes off. Naked, he went into the room beside his bedroom and looked for the box of matches. He pulled one out of the box and sighed through his nose before he struck it. It was better to get this out of the way, now. Julian lit a series of candles in front of a black mirror. The candles themselves were rolled in all manner of crushed, rare stones and gems. Julian positioned himself on the floor, prostrating his ass up in the air in a deep bow to the mirror. He steadied himself before he spoke and swallowed hard. Master, he said, I call you from my abode of earth and speak your words. I have done your work and sent an unwitting soul to your discipleship. I hope that this will only earn your favor, Master, and you will spare me with a quick and certain death rather than end myself in your shapeless realm when the time is to come. He could feel the vacuum of energy swirling from the mirror, yet the Master did not respond right away as he had hoped. Master, he said. Master, can you hear me? I beg your notice. Notice me, for I have done your work. A black mist poured from the window and fell to the floor. A sucking void in the shape of a human mouth appeared in the center. The master had told Julian he took the form of a human when he spoke to him to specifically mock the existence of humanity. Julian still didn't know what that meant. He sat up to take notice, and the master said, Get back down on the floor, you sniveling human waste. I have indeed noticed your gift to me, and I acknowledge. While you have done adequately, I will tell you that this is only the first step in what I expect from you, but I am to assume you already know that. I have worked hard for two years to bring you that soul, Master. It's been two years and no one has heard your call up until now. And whose fault is that, my little human waste collector? It is your job to bring me these souls. One is just the beginning. You will not stop until you have brought me a million different bodies from a million different progenies and a million from a million of their children's children. Rest sure, I will make it so you will be around long enough to fulfill this order. Am I to make myself any more clear, dear boy? This is what you asked of me when you discovered my presence two years ago. It is your life for theirs, and you begged it from me. I am extending my benevolence to you by allowing you to do this. Do you not understand? Face on the cold floor, Julian held back the tears in his eyes. 
The memory of the man turning himself inside out flashed in his brain over and over again. He fought back the emotions as much as he could, but then let loose when he pictured his own self in the same position, sitting in his own filth, splayed inside out. Why, he cried, why would you do this? To me, or to anyone? I don't understand. A fair question, my boy, said the master. One that I am not surprised that you have thought to ask until this point, and I will tell you. I do this to you, to your pathetic breed, for no other than the fact, and it amuses me. You have been listening to Lowest Possible Frequency. Written and performed by myself, Nicholas Corius. Background ambience provided by Tabletop Audio. Support them at tabletopaudio.com. End music provided by bensound.com. Please let us know if you are enjoying the show by subscribing. Follow us on Instagram at Nicholas No Exit, all one word. You have been listening to No Exit with Nicholas Corius. Good night. <laughs>